All right. What's up, everybody? Justin Boone here, lead fantasy analyst over at The Score. Uh, appreciate everybody joining me today for our first Twitter spaces of the season and my first Twitter spaces ever, actually. So hopefully everything goes smoothly here. I'm sure there's not going to be any major issues. And I know last year on our live Friday shows, we went over injury updates and we talked about some of my favorite start sit options. And then we did the Q&A. And this year, I want to make sure that everybody gets the same kind of content. It's just going to be spread out over a few different areas. So you'll still be able to hear all my thoughts on the latest injuries on the podcast. If there's anything that we covered today, great. If not, I'll go over all of them on the injury podcast, and that'll come out later today. You can still find all my favorite start sits and my start sit stash quick column. That goes up over the score on Friday mornings. It is already up and has been sent out. Hopefully you got a chance to check that out already. And then I think doing the Q&A here should let me answer more questions and it might give you a chance to actually talk it through with me, which can be helpful because sometimes there's not enough information when I'm answering questions, right? Sometimes, and it's tough, right? You're trying to fit it all into a tweet. You only have so many characters, but if I don't know what the scoring format is, or I don't know what the rest of your roster looks like, all that sort of stuff, then it can be a little more difficult to answer the questions. So hopefully today we can get to the bottom of as many of these as possible. So I mean, let's get right into it here. If you got a question, fire away, request the audio, and I will open it up for you here. I'll bring you in one by one. Let's see who we got here first. Matt, let's see what you got. I was just wondering what on earth happened with Cam Akers last night. <laughs> I kind of knew this was going to be the very first question. Well, there's a few things. Now, he had a soft tissue injury that kept him out for a couple of weeks uh, during training camp and, and the preseason. And Daryl Henderson had one too, but Daryl Henderson actually came back earlier from it. And if you were kind of following, that's how it went down, right? Henderson was back at practice. Akers was still out. People were worried that Akers might not be back for week one. And then Akers got back to practice. Now, how much of that impacted what we saw last night? we don't really know yet because of the Achilles injury last year, right? And is it just the fact that the Rams are looking at Akers? And I talked about this all offseason. He was somebody that I thought was a bust candidate. He was somebody I was really scared of because we just haven't seen many running backs come back from these Achilles injuries and produce great numbers. And sometimes it does happen. Deonta Foreman's a guy that we kind of point to. Not that Foreman's had a, a great career, but Foreman's somebody that after two, three years made it back to almost the same version of himself that he was before and was obviously productive when uh, Derrick Henry got hurt last season. But a year removed from an Achilles tear, it's just not enough time. And people got excited when he came back in the playoffs, even though he didn't look great. People wanted to make excuses. It was the matchups. It was the offensive line. Yeah, all those things factored in. But him coming back six months after an Achilles tear, no one should have expected him to look great. And this year at the beginning of the season, I don't think anybody should have expected him to look great. Now, what I was projecting was I thought he was going to be the lead back in that committee. I thought Henderson would get some work. And I even thought the rookie, Kyron Williams, would get some work in the passing downs. And Williams suffered an ankle injury. I believe it's a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out for a little while now. So he didn't end up doing too much in the game. And in no way do we think it was going to be, what was it, 18 to 3 in touches for, for Henderson to Akers. So next week, going into next week, they play Atlanta. It's a great matchup for the running backs and, and for that offense. And that also has to be taken into account, too. They went up against one of the best defenses in the league. That really caused problems for their offense. Stafford said as much after the game that that was a big problem for them. McVay said that they just couldn't get things going. They couldn't get into a rhythm. So all that factors in. 
but I'm already thinking ahead to my rankings for week two. And there's no way that Akers is going to be above Henderson. Henderson is going to be ranked pretty high in my rankings, even though I think the further we get removed from this soft tissue injury, whatever it was for Akers, I do think he'll get more touches. But we didn't see anything last night that makes it seem like he has the explosiveness back, that he's a guy that deserved more touches last night. So looking at next week, Henderson will be the better back to play. Akers is somebody that if you can get away from him right now, I would you're going to have to take a loss on that trade because there's no way that anybody's going to pay you anything of value for him. Um, but you're not going to see much from him until maybe, you know, later into the season, a month or two into the season. And really what I said during the offseason was he's a guy that I would look at for 2023 in Dynasty. He's a guy that maybe at that point, two years removed from the Achilles tear, we see him get, get back to some version of what he was before. And the other thing that I said during, one more thing, I got to say on Acres, I know I'm going long on this one, but Another thing about it is, and I talked about this on the podcast, he wasn't an established star before this injury. He was a guy that he had a good end to his rookie season, and we were projecting him to potentially emerge, to potentially break out, and then he had the Achilles tear. So it's not like he's a guy that had multiple successful NFL seasons, and then you figure, okay, if he comes back and gives us 80% of that, we know what it would be. We really don't know what Cam Akers could be, and when you factor all this in, it is very, very scary. So that's where I stand on it, Matt. Yeah, I just he was so unproductive in the playoffs last year and still managed to get all the touches. So I don't know. It just felt like my assumption was like he was gonna see the bulk of the touches in week one. And then if he's injured, I just like don't like why play him at all? Like giving him three carries is nothing. Like I just I don't know what that's gonna do for his confidence and I don't know. Just the yeah, well here's the thing with the Achilles injuries, and we gotta watch this for some of the ACL tears too. It's not about being healthy enough to play or not. It's about what version of, of you know, his Achilles came back. And I've had uh, Edwin Porras on the podcast. He's a, an injury analyst from Fantasy Points. And he did a really good job in the summer of breaking this down that uh, unlike uh, an ACL tear, where normally those kind of heal and you expect that it's going to heal in a certain way, with the Achilles, one of the biggest problems with it is you really don't know what you're getting. Is he going to be 100% at some point? Is he going to be 90%, 80%? And that's potentially for the rest of his life. Like when it heals, it might not heal the same. So when we see him back out there, and this factors in with James Robinson, factors in with Marlon Mack, who just got released by the Texans, uh, all these guys that have these Achilles tears at running back, we don't know what version of them we're going to get when they come back. So he's clearly healthy enough to be on an NFL field but if he's losing some of that explosiveness that he had before in the NFL, when you're talking about the best of the best in, in terms of athletes and talent, when you lose five, 10, 15% of what you had off the top, it could really change what kind of player you are. So that's where I think that comes in. And the part that we don't know is what the Rams were seeing in practice during the off season and whether they just made the assessment that he's not all the way back. And right now Henderson gives us a better shot. And, and that's why I think until we see something different, Henderson has to be the guy for fantasy at this point, and Akers has to head to your bench. All right, thanks. Awesome. No worries, man. Thanks for the question. All right, who else we got here? Jacob, go ahead. Justin, what's going on, man? What's up, dude? Not much. I'm just kind of uh, sitting here wondering. Hopefully you can help me out figure out what's going to go on with this uh, Chiefs receiving core. I know Mahomes came out the other day and apologized to fantasy managers, said that they're going to switch it up and somewhat go by a receiver as a committee. Who do you really see leaving that receiving core and who can we count on on a week-to-week -week basis? 
I think sometimes when we hear this stuff before the season, sometimes players are pretty honest. And I always point back to Justin Herbert before last year that he straight up said, like, we're going to get Mike Williams the ball a lot more. We got to feed him. And then they came out and they did it. And it isn't always the case, right? Sometimes it's coach speak that we're hearing, but sometimes they're straight up telling us what they're going to do. And I think in the case of the Chiefs, and I think the Packers receiving core is very much the same way this year. They lose these elite receivers. And now how do you replace those guys? You don't. So you end up going with sort of a money ball approach where you have a variety of guys with different skill sets. And that's the way the NFL is going in general. You see it in backfields quite a bit. We're seeing a lot of different backs getting used. You don't see as many of these, you know, bell cow type backs anymore. And now we're starting to see it with some of the receiving cores. So I don't know how much I'm going to be able to help you here because I'm looking at that Chiefs receiving core and I'm struggling with it a bit myself. I think right now I'm projecting Juju to to see the most volume, but there's a lot of concerns with him as well, starting with the fact that he hit the free agent market last year and didn't really get a big offer. And then this year, again, the exact same thing happens and he ends up signing sort of a smaller contract and a short-term contract with the Chiefs. So what does that tell you? Does that tell you that you know, there's some concern potentially about his knee. And we already saw that pop up that in week one of the preseason, he comes out and plays and then he misses several weeks after that. So where's his knee at? We know I've talked about the fact that his efficiency sort of dropped off. I think he's lost a little bit of athleticism from what he had early in his career based on some of the injuries that he's had, but you can make that up with volume. And I think right now, when you look at that receiving core, He's the most proven guy, and he's the guy that probably will see the most volume. Now, Travis Kelsey, obviously, is the de facto number one pass catcher in that offense, but uh, I think Juju would be the the top guy. I still only have him ranked as a wide receiver three for fantasy right now, though. I don't want to go crazy with it. I want to see what they're going to show us in week one. And then when you look at the other guys, Marcus Valdez-Scantling is the one that I think is really sneaky because he got the biggest contract of all the guys there. And he's somebody that I think they're going to try to get him to fill 70, 80% of what Tyree Kill gave them. Like as that field stretcher, that deep threat, he's not you know, nearly as dangerous in the, the short area of the field. I know there's been some talk by the beat writers that they were trying to use him that way in practice. And maybe he will get some more targets there, but he's also a guy who played with a great quarterback and we really didn't see him put it all together. So probably going to be a little inconsistent but somebody that I think is going to give you really big games. I look at him as more of that wide receiver four flex type. And then after that, it's pure dart throws. The good news for the Chiefs is that the guys they have in, in Miko Hardman and Sky Moore, Sky Moore definitely will turn into something. It's just how fast can he become an impact player in that offense. And right now with where he's at on the depth chart, I imagine that it's going to be a little later in the season before we really see him getting the kind of snaps that will turn into the, the volume and the targets that will make him a fantasy starter. But uh, right now, it's it's Juju for me as a wide receiver three. It's it's MVS as sort of that flex play. And then Miko Hardman and Sky Moore right now, I'm not putting in my lineup. I'm okay having them on my bench and hoping that one of them breaks out, but not really interested in, in playing them at this point. Awesome. I appreciate the help, man. Thank you so much. I, I, hope, I hope that did help. I, I, don't, I don't know how much that one actually will help. It's a tough one to figure out. That it is. We'll see how it plays out, but appreciate right. it as always, man. Cheers. Good luck. All right. Next up, Omar. What do you got for us today? Did we lose Omar? Looks like we lost him. All right. Who else? Oh, you are there. Hey, sorry. No worries. No worries. First time using this uh, app. Uh, 
Hey, it's, it's my first time using the the Twitter Spaces too, so I'm sure I'll I'll probably screw up a couple things along the way here. Don't worry about it. Cool. Well, Justin, I just want to say real quick, this thanks uh, for the, the the podcast. Whenever I follow your podcast, like consistently, I do well, and when I don't, I don't. So, um, so yeah, I appreciate. That. I'm in a pretty competitive league with a bunch of dudes. I've been doing this league for like 13 years, so. Um, you know, last year I kind of fell off, but this year I'm coming back strong. Um, so I had a quick question. Um, actually, it's a, it's a two-parter if, if you have the time. First question. Yeah, yeah go for, for it. my flex. Um, I have Adam Thielen, uh, in the slot, but I also have Brandon Cooks on my, on my bench. I know you're really, really high on him, um, just based off of his previous, um, previous, you know, years. Uh, what do you think about that flex spot? Do you like Adam or do you like Brandon? You're looking at it specifically for this week, or are you talking more about like the season as a whole? Uh, this 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 week, I think like going forward for me, like you know, those guys are pretty in- interchangeable. I mean, because you know, I have, I have Cooper Cup and I have AJ Brown in my wide receiver slot slots, and um, so I, you know, I'm probably going to roll with them for the most part. But for my flex, um, I think it's going to be kind of a a battle between these two guys. I also have Tyler Lockett, but. I know you're high on Tyler Lockett, but I mean, you know, Smith worries me, man. Like, yeah, I don't know that I would say I'm high on Lockett. I think it was more just that he was a, a value in drafts because of how far he was falling. When you're getting Tyler Lockett, who you know has been a top ten, top fifteen guy before, and we were getting him in the in the forties, like we were getting him like you know around the pick a hundred or even later sometimes yeah, in drafts. Right. So it was more of the value that you were getting there. But no, don't don't particularly feel great about anybody in that Seahawks offense. I'm yeah. with you. <laughs> Um, in terms of, of uh, Brandon Cooks and uh, Thielen, projection-wise, they're pretty close this week in my rankings. There's only, I don't know, five spots or so separating them in my latest rankings. I, I like Cooks better because I feel like his volume is more guaranteed, mm-hmm. but Thielen has so much touchdown upside. So it's really just what are you kind of playing for? Cooks, the, the biggest problem with Cooks is that he hasn't done well against the Colts in the past. That's a tough matchup for him. Mm-hmm. So that if you were a little bit scared by that, I'd have no problem playing Adam Thielen. The Vikings also have a fairly tough matchup this week too, but Thielen pretty much anytime he's been out there the last, you know, it's for the last five years when he's been on the field, he's mm-hmm. average wide receiver one fantasy stats. So yeah. never a bad thing to have that in your flex spot. Um, yeah. I'd even make an argument. You could have him as your wide receiver too, potentially right now and, and feel pretty good. So kind of a coin flip. If it was up to me, I would take what I think is going to be more guaranteed volume with Brandon cooks and in a game where, they're probably going to be trailing that Vikings Packers game. We'll, we'll see what happens there, but I really think that Packers defense is going to be a lot better this year. So I'm a little bit scared for week one for the Vikings. I think they might be a buy low team uh, next week. A lot of the pieces on that offense, depending what the Packers come out and do in week one. But for me, it would be cooks, but I wouldn't really talk you out of feeling if you felt good about that. Thanks a lot. Um, cool. Well, uh, I'll let you get to the next, uh, the next, uh, person but yeah thanks a lot man all right sounds good cheers good luck this week thanks all right got some more here chris going with chris all right hey can you hear me i guess just a quick curiosity question who would you say are some non-elite wide receivers that you wish you had more of um and also after draft season now uh, heading into the you know regular season that you may be overdrafted and you're not feeling too good about for example for me i I know Darnell Moody fell to me in the draft, and so did Alan Lazard. Um, those are two personal ones that I'm not thrilled about at this point in time. 
Uh, what, what scares you about, about Mooney? I mean, Lazard, obviously it's the injury to start the year. That, that would be the big thing. We don't know if he's going to play this week. What scares you about Mooney? Uh, well, one, I have Cole commit, you know, as a value at my tight end too. I honestly, it's just having two bears. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, not, fair not a thrilled about that efficiency of that offense. So, you know, obviously I know they're going to most likely just throw to those two, but yeah, just the thrill of watching the bears and, or lack thereof. Yeah, I, I get that for sure. I think Mooney's somebody we just talked about, Brandon Cooks. I think Mooney might be similar to Brandon Cooks this year in that uh, he's on maybe a, a not great offense, but I think the production could be uh, there for him. I think the volume is going to be there for him. I talked about this during the offseason. I don't know if you've uh, followed all my content throughout the offseason, but I actually had Mooney on my list of players that I think could lead people to a title this year. So I don't know if that makes you feel any better. But one of the big things with him last year, he averaged the 18th most targets among receivers and when I was looking at it I I would expect that's going to go up I mean they lose Allen Robinson they didn't really bring in anybody who's going to demand a big target share there so I could see him sneaking up into potentially the top 12 and when you look at last year for example you know eight of the top 10 uh, target leaders among receivers finished as top 12 fantasy wideouts and it's kind of obvious like when you get that kind of volume you're going to be able to put up pretty big fantasy stats but I think Mooney's going to have a pretty good year. Everything we're hearing about the new coaching staff kind of improving that offense and Mooney himself talking about how it's great that the new coaching staff's finding ways to move him around the formation and help him out and get him open as opposed to just expecting him to win on his own. Uh, Mooney putting on 13 pounds of muscle, kind of gearing up to be this wide receiver one. And all the reports from OTAs, from training camp, have been that he has just been dominant out there on the practice field now dominant against the bears defense maybe that's part of it but um i actually feel pretty good about mooney and i think he was a a pretty good value draft so yes i don't love having two bears maybe on the same team or in the same lineup but i think mooney's gonna be all right for i wouldn't be too worried about that one Uh, for your question about guys who uh non-elite receivers who i wish i had more of i came around kind of late on jerry judy to be honest um, there were some reports kind of in the last few weeks that Russell Wilson had, had taken him under his wing. And, um, you know, obviously the Tim Patrick injury happened and early in the offseason, I'm a huge Tim Patrick fan. So I was taking a lot of Tim Patrick for the value there. Um, and a lot of the reports are that Cortland Sutton clearly is the, the number one receiver. He's Russ's favorite. But when people ask me throughout the, the offseason about, you know, who could be this year's Cooper Cup, I don't think there's going to be a, a Cooper Cup, what we saw last year from Cooper Cup. But I think Jerry Judy fits the mold of somebody that could potentially surprise people this season in an offense that we expect to be really good with a significant quarterback upgrade. And in fantasy drafts was going off the board as the second receiver on his team uh, can be that sort of possession guy, but can give you more. He's got the draft capital. I think he has the talent. We just haven't really seen him put it all together for a big season. And I think sometimes as weird as it is, as much as, People get overexcited about a lot of things in fantasy. I think sometimes when these quarterbacks change teams and these elite quarterbacks go into these offenses that are already really stacked with skill position players, I think sometimes we undervalue just how much of a difference that can make. And we kind of saw that last year with Stafford, you know, when Tom Brady went to the Bucks, uh, when Peyton Manning went to the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos just took it to the next level. It was one of the best offenses we've ever seen there. So I'm not necessarily suggesting that the Broncos this time around are going to be one of the best offenses we've ever seen, but I think Jerry Judy's somebody who could be really, really good this season and someone that I kind of regret not taking more of early in the offseason.
Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for your insight. You know, uh, and if you don't mind, one more question. Sure. Um, what is the your thoughts on um, having the quarterback and running back, of course, of the same team? Like right now, I have Kyler, and I just traded for um, um, J- uh, James Conner. Sorry. Yeah, if it's, a, if it's a good offense and they're both good players, I'm not worried about that at all. If I can do it and it's a, a running back that catches a lot of passes, and not that Connor's uh, huge in that respect, but uh, he'll get some receiving work for sure. But if we're talking about, you know, in some super flex leagues, some 2QB leagues, I was doing stuff like, you know, Jared Goff and DeAndre Swift this year where now you're going to double up and get a lot of points. I think Swift's going to catch a lot of passes. You know, in some of those deeper leagues, you can kind of get some value with the quarterbacks. Uh, that way, if it's a two quarterback or super flex league, but yeah, no worries about doing that, especially if the the running back's gonna catch some passes and isn't sort of that early down grinder type. I'm not as interested in it at, at that point. <laughs> awesome. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, good stuff. Good luck this week. All right, who else we got here? Cat, what's up? How you doing? Can you hear me, Cat? Yeah, yeah. You hear me? Yeah, I can. What's up? Hey, man. Uh, appreciate your podcast. Uh, listening to every uh, every week. Uh, and I do have like a question. I think we talked about Darnell Mooney and Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, and I was wondering between Elijah Moore, Juju, and let's uh, and then Ramondre Stevenson, who would you like start this week in, in your flex spot? This is like half PPR. It's tough. So I would I would go with Elijah Moore, and that might be sort of uh, against the grain. I don't know where other analysts have them. I don't know where the, the ECR is on it right now. But um, Elijah Moore, even though the matchup isn't the greatest, we really saw him flourish down the stretch last year. Like, before he got hurt, he missed the very end of the season. But in his last six games, he was a top seven fantasy wideout. Like, he was putting up big-time stats at that point. And he had his biggest game with Joe Flacco at quarterback. He had, I think, 141 yards and a touchdown in that game against the Dolphins with Flacco under center. So I kind of like this for him. I wonder if the receivers on the Jets also kind of like this because there's been some comments. Garrett Wilson kind of had this like sly comment. I don't think he was trying to say anything negative about Zach Wilson, but he did make a comment about how Flacco throws a more catchable ball for the receivers. So I don't know that at the moment they they feel that sad about the fact that that Wilson's out. You know, maybe Wilson could use a little more time to get healthy, and they'll do all right with uh, with Flacco under center. So I think Elijah Moore is just somebody. Everything we heard during the off season, the talk was that he has established himself as the number one guy there. Garrett Wilson still a little further down the depth chart, and they did this with Moore last year. They kind of made him prove himself early in the season and that's why he kind of broke out over you know he was on his way to a pretty big second half breakout there before he got hurt so I think we could see something similar with Wilson so I really like more to start off this season I think he's gonna have a big week I'd go with him gotcha thanks and where uh, prospect on Ramondre Stevenson because right now it's pretty up in the air and like is it something you would start confidently this week or just wait and see I would wait and see if you can, if you have other options. And depending how deep your league is, you might not. But the thing with Stevenson that you knew when you took him, it was a situation where he has a path to taking over that number one role, even without an injury. And there's not many running backs that you could get in the range of the draft he was going in that offer that kind of value. So it's great to have him on your in your lineup. And I think as the year goes along, he's going to have some really big stats. And there's a chance, based on what Bill Belichick has said, He could come out and they could all of a sudden just give him the most work this week. But my guess is that they're going to try to lean on the running game and they're going to start with Harris and see if he can get it done and kind of take some of the pressure 
off of Mac Jones, like they were trying to do last year. And we also have to see if Ty Montgomery is going to be available or not. I haven't seen an update on that yet today. Uh, maybe it's come out while we've been in here. But uh, Montgomery is somebody who could factor into the passing game. And if Montgomery is not available, then all of a sudden that boosts from Andre Stevenson's projection. He'll see a lot more receiving work in that backfield. So that makes him a little more exciting and maybe somebody that you could flex at that point. But if you can, I would wait a week and, and let's see what this backfield looks like. It's going to be really interesting to see how they play it this week with those guys. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate it. Yeah. No worries. Take care. Bouncing around here. Frank and Beans or Michigan. What's going on? Hi. Right, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, no worries. So, um, full point PPR, um, looking to fill a flex spot. And I guess my question revolves around in a PPR league, how much you value a starting run back in that position versus a receiver. So, for instance, um, Elijah Mitchell versus someone like Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, if I have those options, I, I feel like I have a tendency sometimes to always want to go with the receiver just because it's the PPR league. But, you know, then Elijah Mitchell goes in, goes for 100 yards, gets a touchdown, and, and I start second-guessing myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's tough because there's a lot of other factors. I don't have, like, a blanket answer for you in terms of, like, I always lean running back or I always lean receiver. No. Uh, for me, it's always case by case and the matchups factor in and, and everything like that. I just talked about uh, Elijah Moore. If he's one of the options yeah. for you, I would go with him. Um, I think he's going to put up really good stats. I think we could see him put up top 20 numbers this week. I like Mitchell too. There's just a little bit of concern, especially after the Cam Akers thing last yeah. night. Mitchell was somebody who missed a, a bunch of time in the preseason. And now he's coming back this week. Do they go easy on him early? Do they not put a huge workload on him and potentially work in Jeff Wilson or, or Ty Davis Price early in the season and at least in week one and, and try to make sure that they don't have him suffer any sort of you know reoccurring injury or anything? I believe it was a hamstring that he had that he was out with. And the other thing with, with Mitchell, and you kind of alluded to it, is he's not somebody that's going to give you that much in the passing game. They just didn't use him that way almost at all last year. So that's an area for him that kind of knocks him down a little more when it comes to PPR. So, yeah, for me, it would be Elijah Moore this week. Okay. Right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah. No worries. Hi, Mito. What's up? Did it log in? Me? Do we have you? I can hear you. What's going on? Hey, props for saying the name right. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> well, you kind of you wrote it out in your name, so I better, I better not screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for the time. Uh, yeah, so one of the backfields I've been most curious about is Green Bay's. And, uh, you know, I have uh, quite a few shares of A.J. Dillon. And, uh, you know, I wanted to buy into the offense for, at a cheaper price point. Uh, just curious, you know, what are you, what are you looking for in the first week or even in the coming weeks from, you know, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon? I think they're both going to be really good starts for fantasy, um, especially with Alan Lazard potentially missing this week. And we'll see what the update is on that today. But. Uh, with Lazard missing practice this week, if he's out in a week one, you don't feel confident about anybody kind of emerging as a, a big-time target hog in that receiving core. We'll see if Robert Tunyon at tight end can play, but even that, if he's out there, could be limited. He's coming back from the ACL tear. So they're really going to have to lean on these running backs, and I think they know that. And Aaron Rodgers has talked about it. Matt LaFleur's talked about it. So Aaron Jones, we saw in games when Devontae Adams was out, Jones's targets just went through the roof. I don't know if he'll consistently do that this season, but I still have him projected this week as a, a top 10 running back. 
And I have A.J. Dillon as a top 20 running back. Like, I think they are going to really try to run the offense through both of them. So I like the fact that you have Dillon on top of if Aaron Jones goes down at any point. We'll see, you know, after week four, maybe Kylan Hill comes off of the pup and he's able to contribute, step into a role if one of those guys gets hurt. But if Aaron Jones goes down, A.J. Dillon just goes nuclear at that point and becomes a, a true league winner and, you know, maybe even a top five, ten, top ten back in his own right. So I'd be fine playing him right now as my RB2. And I, I think there's just so many paths for him to put up a, a huge fantasy season this year. And I, I think some people look at him and they say, well, he's sort of the bigger back and he could be the goal line guy. That hasn't really been how Green Bay's used their running backs. It's often been, you know, a couple series for Aaron Jones and then a series for either Jamal Williams or, or A.J. Dillon. So I think both guys are going to get plenty of work in the passing game, plenty of opportunities around the goal line. I like them both a lot this year. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no worries. Cheers. Maple Waffles. Maple Waffles sounds very Canadian to me. Can you hear me, Maple Waffles? That is very Canadian, and it is true. How you doing, Justin? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. What's big, up? big win for your Bills last night. Man, that must have been fun. Yeah, I don't want to overreact here. I, you know, I'm not the, the Bills homer that I think some people might think I am, but uh, it, it's great to see. I mean, Fair when enough. I was a kid and I became a Bills fan when I was younger and, you know, watching them go to the Super Bowl and lose every year, I didn't realize it was going to be like 20 plus years before they were in contention again. So it's been really nice the last couple of seasons where they're, they're legit contenders. And this year, I mean, they're the favorites. For sure. You got to enjoy it while you can. For sure. For sure. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So I got a quick one and a little bit uh, a trade one. And if, if there's time, then something else after. But we'll see. Um, <laughs> I'll try to answer yeah. as fast as I can so we get to all of I know you love rapid fire. Um, let's go with <laughs> um, Isaiah Pacheco or Josh Palmer for my last roster spot. I have to drop one. More so depends on the rest of your roster. Like, do you feel more comfortable about your running backs or your receivers? I like my receivers. I went really hard in the middle rounds after receivers. So I kind of like them a little bit more. It's just I found Isaiah Pacheco undrafted in my league. So it was very strange. Um, I, if you feel good about the receivers, then I would normally lean towards stashing the running back, mm -hmm. um, you know, who could potentially be a, an injury away from a, a lot of production. But you also have to remember at any point in that Chiefs backfield, they're probably going to use multiple guys. Like McKinnon will continue to be involved even if CEH goes down. I don't know that we'll ever see Pacheco kind of completely take it over. Mm -hmm. um, but still, Palmer's only going to give you, you know, the, he's only going to be the number three receiver in that offense unless we see an injury there. So he's kind of the weird, he'll have some big weeks, but he's also kind of the weird, like, you know, immediate backup kind of receiver out there that if one of the guys goes down, he then steps into a, a pretty big fantasy role. So for me, normally I would go running back and I would say grab Pacheco. All right, perfect. Um, would you trade Justin Fields and Robert Woods in half PPR to try and upgrade at quarterback? I It's another league that I'm pretty deep at receiver. Is it two QB or single QB? It's single QB. And somebody in my league drafted uh, Josh Allen and then drafted Justin Herbert right after in single QB. So I'm trying to... See if I can go after oh, yeah. Herbert. You gotta hate those people. Yeah, trying single to get... QB people that take two top twelve guys. Yeah, it was, killer. yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> hey, better value for wide receiver and running back for me then, you know. Uh, yeah, for sure. But would you? I don't know yeah. that that package would be enough to get. I don't. Yeah, think I know. Those guys for that package. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so you'd have to look at 
what other teams is if anybody else has you know two quarterbacks and and somebody that they'd be willing to part with this early in the year um definitely right. don't feel good about starting justin fields this no. week he's got a really tough matchup <laughs> against the the 49ers so i don't know if, who else is on the waiver wire if there's another option that you could go with this week if you don't get a trade done but yeah, I would definitely try to package him and, mm-hmm. and someone else and, and see if you can get something. Even if you got to go a little higher, uh, you know, that guy who has Herbert and Allen, he's going to want to trade one of them. I mean, after last night, it's probably going to be Herbert that he wants to trade. But a week or two into the season, he is not going to feel good about wasting a bench spot on Herbert. So he's going to be looking to move him. So if you can be the person that uh, steps in there and gets a little bit of value, normally that's what happens when people try to pull that move and take multiple quarterbacks and they think they're going to be able to trade one. Not a lot of suitors for those guys in most leagues and just regular one QB leagues. So hopefully you can get some value in that trade. Yeah, for sure. And and one more question, if if you have time. Um, I always have this problem with the um, first week. I always don't know who to drop. I was wondering if you maybe could say like, how do you go into uh, week one after all the big all the all these guys have huge week ones and everyone wants to pick them up. Like, who do you book to drop? instead yeah i mean it's another case by case thing and it depends what we're seeing from from individual guys but for me with my bench spots i'm just looking for pure upside i just look for who can actually make a difference in my lineup i'm not that concerned about well this guy could potentially step in and give me you know flex value that doesn't matter you want people on your bench that you know if they have the talent they could win the job outright at some point this season a lot of the rookies are like that or a guy that's just one injury away from massive production potentially. So just think pure upside when you're evaluating your roster. Don't be married to anybody that, you know, you took late in the draft and you're holding out hope that maybe if you don't see it from them, especially when you're talking about like backups, like not starters necessarily, but you're talking about like backups on your bench. If you don't see enough from them in the first week or two weeks, you just have to cut bait. You got to reassess and you got to grab somebody else. So um, that's about all I could say just in terms of, for me, other than that, it would be case by case. All right. Perfect. Thank you so, so much. Really appreciate, really appreciate all your great, amazing work. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much. Everybody's so nice. I feel like I'm really lucky that, uh, normally we have a lot of people in fantasy, uh, when they're on Twitter and stuff that are just going after analysts and being jerks. And I see people on all these fights on Twitter and like, I feel like, 99% of the people that I engage with are like super nice. So that is, uh, it's great to see. And I I really appreciate it from everybody. Uh, Sway, we were trying to bring you in there. Can you hear me? Yeah. How are you doing, Justin? Can you hear me? Uh, Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. I'm doing well. What's your question? I have two quick questions. One of them is, um, what do you think about Allen Robinson yesterday? I know he didn't have, he obviously just kind of, I started him with confidence and (laughs) he was just really bad. I just, I don't know how to reassess this. I know some people were trying to go out there and like trade for him. And I had a league, I had a league mate yesterday come um, asking for um, Allen Robinson for Scary Terry. I don't know what you think about that. They, sorry, so you would be getting Terry McLaurin in that deal? Yes, because they, they're really high on Allen Robinson. Like this is a, they, we were talking about it even before like they started playing. Okay, imagine after the game, you're not going to get that trade based on what we saw from Allen Robinson last night. Oh, yeah. So if if you could still get that deal, I would definitely take it. I think people are going to really overreact to the Robinson thing. It's definitely scary. It increases sort of the worry meter that the last season with the Bears wasn't just based on, you know, Matt and Nagy kind of screwing things up, that 
Robinson could potentially be fading into a different phase of his career. But I don't think we can overreact and make that assessment after this game. Like I said before, they they played the Bills, one of the best defenses in the league, right? Like to see that offense struggle, to to see Stafford throwing the picks and them never really getting in rhythm, it's not that surprising. I'm not saying that as a Bills fan. I think everybody that watched the game last night could understand that, you know, the, the Bills were just really dominant on defense. So you have to take that into account. You have to take into account the fact that Robinson played on, I think it was like 97% of the snaps. I think he only missed two snaps on the offense. So in a good offense, if you're getting that kind of, you know, snap rate, you're going to produce at some point. And when there's better matchups and next week, the Falcons, that will be a better matchup. The production will come. We've seen before last year, even Robert Woods had a bad first week and then he came back and he was putting up top 15 stats before he got hurt midway through the year. So this is not like the, the death knell for, for Robinson's fantasy value at all. It is a very poor showing from him. It reminds us that Matt Stafford is completely locked on to Cooper cup and he is going to throw to Cooper cup all the time, as many chances as he gets. I know Stafford also tried to blame the, the bills playing zone a lot. And that was sort of why he was trying to find spots in the zone and, doesn't necessarily have that chemistry with Robinson yet that he has with Cooper Cup so far. So all of that factors in. I'm not giving up on Robinson yet, but my eyebrow is definitely raised. And if we don't see him do it next week in a better matchup, that's when I am absolutely overreacting to it. And I am moving him on every roster at that point for whatever I can get. So uh, if you could trade him right now and get anything close to the value that you could have gotten before the game, like a, a scary Terry, I would do that at this point and just sort of get off the the risk and the potential that he could be a bust for you. But I don't think this game is the one that we have to look at and put kind of everything on and say that his career is over. Yeah, I mean, I still kind of have faith in him. So I think I'm just going to hold them to at least next week. But it that's would be when... shocking if like all the, the talk in the offseason, all the hype, and it was like so over the top. It wasn't just like a few nice things. It was everyone saying that like he's got it. There was lots of highlights of him making plays and practice and stuff. It would be shocking if he is just complete dust after hearing all of that all off season long. So yeah, I, I think I'm with you that there's still a good chance. Maybe, you know, we bring down the ceiling a little bit for him, but I still think there's a good chance that he has a pretty solid fantasy season this year, despite a, a bad start. Yeah, I definitely hope so. I have one more question going on about Cooper Cup. I actually I'm in a 12 team PPR league. And so for the first two rounds, I was actually able to get Cooper Cup in the, uh with my seventh overall pick. Okay. And, I had, and I got digs in the second round. Um, but my RBs aren't too, you know, they aren't too good. I think I have Connor Edmonds and, um, honestly I have no depth at RB. What are your (laughs) thoughts? What are your thoughts on potentially trading Cooper Cup for like a haul? And my tight end position is very, very weak. I think I have Njoku starting right now, but yeah, I, I was talking to a league mate that could possibly give me like Mark Andrews and maybe like an elite RB for Cooper cup. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that would be a, a decent return. Like if you could get a Mark Andrews and like a, you know, late first round type running back, I don't know who the running backs on their team are, but I would consider that. But for the most part, you have the elite receivers and cup showed us last night. He's going to continue to get just a ton of volume in that offense. I would stick with him Cause for me, normally in leagues, what I see is, at running back, you have Connor and you have Edmonds. So you kind of have that one running back spot locked up, even if there was a Connor injury. And then 
you just have to play the waiver wire as hard as possible to get that strong RB2 for you. And that's a good, that's the way that I normally run my teams. I want those high-end receivers. And then I want to try to leave that RB2 spot as the one that I'm going to fill throughout the season, either by making a a trade, a smaller trade, or by picking up a, a guy off the waiver wire, you know, that gets an opportunity from an injury or something like that. I think that's the better play. I think it is much more difficult in season to try to acquire one of the elite receivers. And right now you have two of them. You have two of the top five guys. So I would be really happy having my receiver core set, having James Conner at running back, and knowing that the waiver wire is your help at tight end and the waiver wire is your help at RB2, and just being really aggressive about anyone that pops up early in the season, going and spending up to get them and try to fill those spots that way, as opposed to giving up you know, a top five player in fantasy, maybe even a top two or top three player in fantasy. All right, for sure. Yeah, I'll definitely hold on to them then. I appreciate everything you do, Justin. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Once again, everybody, just super nice. Uh, who else we got? FF Info is the next one. I'll try to see if I can get to everybody here. I don't know if we'll be able to go this long every week. Week one, I have just a little bit of extra time compared to during the season when I have to spend more time on other stuff. But uh, once we get past week one, but uh, can you hear me? FF Info, are we connecting? Still connecting. FF Info, I think we're going to have to move along here. Unless you can hear me now. One last chance. Not connected. All right. Moving on to the next one. We'll go to Beavis. I don't wonder if the connection issues are on my end or if this is just how Twitter Spaces works normally. I think yeah. Beavis has his mic. Oh, yep. Yeah, there we hey, go. Hey, Justin. Big fan. Love to hear you over on the Underworld podcast. That's a great, uh, that's a great balance. I always have fun with I always have fun with Matt over there. Oh, yeah. yeah he's got some bold <laughs> takes. It's a great balance. Love to hear it. Um, I was curious about. I mean, we all kind of know what Brees Hall is going to be. I mean, just a, just a specimen. But given the coach speak, Colin Michael Carter, the heartbeat of the offense, how long do you think he's going to stay kind of viable or what it's going to mean for, for kind of both players in terms of like those money touches, like the third down work and kind of Brees Hall's receiving chops and, and pass pro? Yeah, I, I did not love to hear the the quote today that Michael Carter is the, the heart of their offense or whatever it was well, that Robert Salas said. Yeah, that, that's not great to hear. Um, but I've sort of projected this. Now, I'll say I, I changed as the, the preseason went along. I did change my tune. And anybody that follows me knows I'm not somebody that's going to have take lock. Yeah. When we get more information, we reassess. And so I sort of changed my perspective on Brees Hall. I thought during the offseason – he would establish himself as the number one. Michael Carter be the complimentary back, and we'd hit week one just like that. When you take a guy on day three like they did with Michael Carter, and then a year later you spend up and get a guy of much higher draft capital in Brees Hall, you figure that they're going to give Brees Hall every chance to win the job, and, and maybe they did, and Carter just is more familiar with the offense. And when I talked about the, the receiving core there earlier, I mentioned how they kind of made the rookie last year Elijah Moore kind of win that job and it took him you know into the season before he actually secured the starting role there and how Garrett Wilson are kind of treating the same way this season so maybe it just comes down to that and that's kind of how I'm still projecting it that we'll see Brees Hall overtake Michael Carter as he gets more comfortable in the offense and normally it's not a a sophomore back that the rookie's trying to overtake normally it's a, a veteran you know we saw like a Nick Chubb overtaking Carlos Hyde sort of halfway through that season Um, normally that's how it goes down. So that changes things a little bit that if they like Michael Carter that much and he's still so young and maybe we haven't seen the best from him yet, 
that he could continue to play a, a pretty big role in this offense. But on my next update, it's going to be really close. I'm going to move them even closer than I already had it. And I had Brees Hall ranked as an RB3, and I had Michael Carter ranked sort of just outside the RB3 range. They're going to be side-by-side, side, and I might even put Carter ahead for this week um, based on what we're hearing right now. So I would expect that it's going to be a few weeks at least into the season before we start to see that change kind of happen. It'll be, if it's Carter ahead, it'll be very close, and it might be a 50-50 kind of split for the first month or so. So if you have Brees Hall right now, hopefully you have another option that you can go with early in the season. Um, if not, you throw him out there and you're hoping more for RB3 flex production in that spot um, early in the year and you hope that he comes along. And their schedule down the stretch, like later in the season, if Brees Hall does take over, like their schedule down the stretch is amazing. In the fantasy playoffs, the Lions, the Jaguars, and the Seahawks. And I'm not one to like jump ahead. We don't know what's going to happen. Injuries, which defenses are going to be better. But when you look at those three teams, you figure those defenses are one that teams are going to be able to have some success against. So I would imagine late in the season, Brees Hall is going to be a difference maker. Might just take a few weeks or a month or so. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. Good stuff. No worries. I think I can only do one more here, folks. Who do we got? Uh, We will go with Sean B. Sean B. Potentially the last question, unless it's a super quick one here. Sean, can you yeah, hear I can hear you. Uh, my question is about the late round tight ends. Um, do you have Unjoku or Albert O um, for the first couple of weeks and the rest of the season? Which one do you have um, higher? I, I pretty much have them side by side, and I'm kind of, you don't want to hear that. I know that's not a great answer, uh, but that's kind of how I'm projecting them. Um, I think Albert O has more upside in the sense that I like that offense so much better. Um, if Deshaun Watson was available, the Browns offense and Njoku would have a, a lot higher ceiling. But with Jacoby Brissett under center, Njoku is going to have to be more of a volume play because they're not going to have as many scoring opportunities. Whereas Albert O, despite the, the negative thoughts that people had, you know, in the preseason where he was playing in games and the starters were resting and all that sort of stuff. The, the more I looked into that, it really sounded like the team just had a, a young tight end who they thought needed more reps. Because we know Njoku, there's no challenger there right now. The rookie Greg Dulcich, who got a few high, a few highlights, a few headlines in the offseason and OTAs and rookie camp, he's injured. He's out for the, the first four weeks at least. So that gives Alberto a, a ton of time here to kind of establish himself. We know what kind of threat he can be around the red zone. We know what kind of physical athletic player he is. So I would take Alberto if I had to pick between them but I really do have them projected very similarly early in the season here, which I know is not a, a great answer for you, but that's the truth. That's the way it is. <laughs> gotcha. Thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Good stuff. Well, I mean, thank you so much to everybody. This uh, this was fantastic. I mean, for my first, my, my maiden voyage here into, uh, into Twitter spaces that we did it. I don't feel like we, we had many, uh, many mess ups along the way here. So I'll call it there. We'll be back hopefully next week doing this again at the same time at 1 p.m. Uh, I'm sorry that I can't spend all afternoon answer questions, but it's just, you know, during the season, once we get back around to this point, my schedule is like really tight and I got to try to stay to it. Otherwise, I'll put myself in a bad spot. So uh, remember, most of the start sick questions can be answered if you just follow my content. Everything's available for free at the score. Go download the score app if you don't have it already. My rankings, a trade value charts. Uh, start sit stash quit like i mentioned before all that stuff is there to help you set your lineup if you got more questions you can always come find me at justin boone on twitter ask questions there and then don't forget on sunday 
10.30 a.m. Eastern. I'm going to take over the SCORE's main account, and I'll be answering as many questions as I can there. Again, that is just like a frantic one. It's just me trying to type as fast as I, I possibly can. It's like the the Jim Carrey gif where I'm just like hammering the keys, trying to get as many answers out there as possible. So until then, a big thanks for all the questions. A big thanks to everybody who tuned in, even if you didn't ask a question. And we'll see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight.